1: I'm Josh Smith.
0: And I'm Mike Graham.
1: Mike, I got to be honest with you, buddy. I am. I'm about three quarters hot right now. Uh, normally, we'll start off talking about some fun stuff. We'll do a t shirt giveaway. We're going to save that to the end this week because this game on Saturday just. It didn't break me in the sense that, like, I'm done. But you're up 17 3 in the third quarter at home against a team that hasn't moved the football at all, and you lose in overtime? Like, how did this happen?
0: Well, it's the Ticat curse of uh, third and longs. You know, it seems like over the years they've been in the predicament of – or or the – you know, they've been happy to be in the predicament of having the team at third and 20 or third and 15, and they just give up these big plays every time, it seems. Um, You know, they were basically winning the whole game and then – it came down to that drive, and uh, they couldn't stop them. That's not to put the blame on the defense at all, which we'll get into. But, uh, yeah, it was a it was a very disappointing uh, ending to the game, and uh, you pretty much called it. Uh, we were texting back and forth in the fourth quarter, and you said, they're going to blow this game. And I was like, nah, 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 nah. we're not going to blow it. It's going to be fine. And uh, that's exactly what they did.
1: I wanted to be wrong. I just mm-hmm. – and I, I don't really buy into the momentum aspect. I think that that's kind of overblown, but it was third and 20 from the 28 yard line. And there looked to be a half dozen defenders and Eugene Lewis just comes out of nowhere and catches the pass. And I'm just like, are you effing kidding me? Like,
0: yep. And then they, they get a chance of, you know, remind me of the, uh, last drive, it kind of reminded me of the drive that got them in field goal position in the Eastern Final in 1998. You know, a couple of quick plays, yep. bing, bang, boom. Um, and, and, a there's no I, and a monster, monster kick.
1: And a monster kick.
0: Against the wind, yeah. too. 56, 55 yarder. There's no way I thought that was going through. Nope. It barely went through. Overtime comes. And what do we do? How do we fumble the ball on a handoff? Well, I know like, you had to do was, like, not gain any yards. We could have kicked the field goal, and then, you know... Held them to a field goal, and then we're in another fresh game. But I don't know how you dropped that ball.
1: Well, I mean, he, Sean Thomas Erling, as we were talking about, he fumbled a touchdown. Yeah. Like he was walking in the end zone for the touchdown to put him up 17 3, and he fumbled it. And I just felt like this was the football gods being like, you got lucky on this one, but you're not getting lucky on the next one. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. But this all comes down to me, and there is going to be some good things we're going to talk about. But the reason I'm hot is this offense is, it's terrible. Uh, they went from the number one can't stop offense two years ago to, I, I looked at the numbers, they have, a, I think it's 11, maybe 12 offensive touchdowns. They have four non-offensive. They have three defensive touchdowns and a special teams touchdown. When 20% of your total, touch, or 25% of your total scores are coming not from offense, that's not good. And to have 11 or 12, I can't remember that, I wish I, I should have written it down, but I counted and I was like, I'll remember, and then I didn't remember. To have that few scores at, after eight games, like, if you add it all up, it's, I think it's I think it's 15 or 16 total touchdowns, they're, they're averaging less than a touchdown a game. How is that... Mm. And remember, they scored 32 against the Argos. So it's a lot of field goals. Like, we, the, the kick to, to send overtime was the fourth field goal of the game for, for Bertolette. And if the offense isn't going to score, like, the defense is standing on its head, and I thought they were, for the most part, aside from basically the last drive, and even on the last drive, they, they, it was one play. It's like, yeah, they, they were letting the Owls kind of dink and dunk their way, but they get them into first and or second and ten, And Delicate gets the sack, and you're thinking, like, he comes on the safety blitz, he just absolutely wallops Adams. And you're thinking, okay, like, third and 20. Like, just knock it down. Like, this is – and then you go home. And, like, the the series before that, like, two minutes left in the game, and you're up by four, and the owls are driving, and you get the interception. Like, you just need two first downs, essentially, and Mm -hmm. the game's over. And they couldn't do it. And
0: That's what I was going to say. It's like, you can't – I saw a couple people hanging on the defense, but, like – all they had to do was get a first down, yep. maybe two, and the game was over. And they they just they couldn't get it together.
1: Well, they went what like from I think it was the the fumble touchdown, which I think happened at like nine or eight or nine minutes, somewhere between eight or nine minutes left in the third quarter, to the the last drive that the Owls are playing, basically prevent defense and just letting the Cats kind of dink and dunk their way down the field because they're thinking kind of the same thing we are. They're not hit anything. Longer than 45 yards ain't ain't going through because of that wind and like we saw the kicker earlier in the game from uh, from my pardon me from Montreal's kicker he kicked it landed short like it landed like five yards short he kicked like a 44 yard field goal and couldn't get it through so it's like there's no way he's kicking something from beyond 50 right so I get what Montreal was doing they're like oh yeah okay drive down get get to our you know 48 yard line like you're not kicking a 55 yard field goal to tie this game and they just happened to do it and it was like holy moly. But for that entire stretch there, they didn't pick up a single first down. And this is – and we, we, we talked about it with Watford the last couple of games. It's like they had this game plan where it was they were very conservative. They weren't pushing the ball down the field and all of those sorts of stuff. They went a stretch against Ottawa where they didn't have a first down. And if, if they would have stopped the Owls on third and 20 and won this game, it would gloss over the fact that they've now gone two games where they've had long stretches where the offense is going two and out, two and out, two and out. They're gonna ha- they're gonna have to beat a good team. They're, I mean, they're playing a good team coming up on on Thanksgiving Monday, and they're gonna have to beat a couple of good teams if they hope to win a great Cup. And with an offense that can't get first downs for a third of the game, you're not gonna beat anybody. Like you couldn't even beat Montreal. Montreal came in here as a wounded animal.
0: Yeah, and their quarterback got wounded at half yeah. or before halftime. He comes back out and he's like, he looks like Superman. He looks like Superman. He's like more healthy than he was before the injury. He's you know ducking and diving and juking around people and doing Vernon Adams things. And uh, I don't know, it was a very strange game. Um, You know, they came down to the ending, which was entertaining. But other than that, it was not that great of a game to watch. I mean, I was entertained because it's a Ticats game and, you know, we care if they win. But if you're a casual fan, that's, you know, that was not not a great game.
1: No, it was not. And Hamilton hasn't played a game that I would consider great for over a month, I think Labor Day would have been the last game that I would consider they played that was even remotely entertaining. And ever since then, it's been just a, kind of a slurry. Like the Calgary game was bad. The game against the rematch against Toronto was not good at all. The Ottawa game was boring, and this game was kind of boring. And like I'm fine with boring games if they win um, mm-hmm. as a fan, but as like a casual viewer, like you said, like these games have just become like borderline unwatchable the offensive line is not good enough. And I, I hate doing this because I, I don't like to call guys out, but Kay Okafor should not be starting at left tackle for this team. He shouldn't be starting at right tackle for this team. He shouldn't be starting for this team. He's just not good enough.
0: Yeah, I mean, I've, I, we've been seeing it all year long that uh, you know the left side of the offensive line is collapsing. He's just getting run over. He's, he cannot block anyone, it seems. Uh, the one play I saw was the left tackle and the right tackle got completely yep. ran over, and they, it was just basically a sandwich on Jeremiah Mazzoli. So, I mean, there's lo- there's some holes in this offensive line, obviously. And, uh, you know, with Jeremiah Mazzoli back there coming off the injury, it's uh, he seems a little timid. Um, you know, when Dane Evans is there, he steps up in the pocket, he throws the ball, and there's some zip on it. Uh, with Jeremiah Mazzoli, not so much.
1: No, and he hasn't looked good either I, he doesn't get off scot free here as well, and as everyone who listens to this show knows i'm I'm one of the biggest Mazzoli backers that there is, but he has been and and you are too i'm not i'm not I'm not saying you aren't as well we're both kind of big Mazzoli fans, but mm-hmm. he, he's played three games this year, and this offense has looked terrible in the three game i mean it, it's looked terrible almost all year if we're being completely honest, but especially in the games that Mazzoli started it's been i don't know if he, if it's with him, if he doesn't trust what's in front of him. Like, he was skipping passes in this one. He was sailing. Like, yeah. he had Jalen Acklin wide open and sailed one over him. He had Braylon Addison, after he was scrambling around, wide open in the middle of the field, and it landed five yards in front of him. Like, he's missing throws that two years ago, when healthy, he was just making. And if you – football's such a game that it comes down to a handful of plays where if one team makes them, the other team doesn't, that's what kind of dictates the outcome, and there were some there were some opportunities here, and Mazzoli missed them, and and he's got to kind of wear the horns on that one, and it's not entirely his fault, no, far from it. Not. The fumble, the the offensive line, you know, there, there's there Brandon Banks being completely invisible, like what mm-hmm. four catches for 15 yards for the guy that was MOP to like, what's what's going on with him, and why isn't he in the game plan more? Yeah. Like, there's a lot of blame to go around for this loss, and it's just it's very disheartening because the defense is this this is an all-time great defense that's being wasted if i if i can be so blunt yeah they gave up a third and 20 to, at the end of the game and yeah okay they gave up the you know the game winning field goal but there's i mean that was you know and to see overtime is it's better than the nfl overtime but i still think it's it's flawed in in some ways like you're almost guaranteed a field goal when you start the overtime period i don't really like that but that that's maybe another discussion for another day, but this defense for the most part has been absolutely outstanding. They they got a uh, what what was it two three turnovers in this one I think it was. They, they Siante Evans earned his paycheck with the interception that, that should have in in a regular game should have ended the game. I I just feel like it, the offense doesn't doesn't need to be fantastic it just needs to be average, and yeah. with a defense this good that's like. Allows, like, you score 20 points on him, you've done a really good job the last month of the season. I, I, it just feels like this could be one of those defenses that we kind of forget to time because they don't ever win anything. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah, it's like the opposite of 2012 or 2013, where yeah, the offense, the,
1: the George Cortez year.
0: Yeah, the yeah. offense was great, the defense was terrible. Um, you know, there's still time to turn it around, but man, it's going to be tough. Like, people were, you know, we'll talk about this later, but the, People were speculating that the DeVere Posey uh, release might be, you know, free up some space and bring some off an offensive lineman in or something. But who's out there that you can just bring in? Like, the only people I could think of you'd have to trade for. So this this offensive line is just makeshift, it seems. Um, they're plugging in guys that can't play, like you mentioned with Okafor. Earlier, there's another guy that that's not very good on that line. There might be a couple other guys that haven't played well. And uh, I don't blame Mazzoli for being nervous if that, that's the case. You know what the hell do I know? I don't know if he's nervous or not. It just looks that way, yeah. to me. Um, because there's there's no time. There's no time to throw. He's coming off a major knee injury, um, another one, and it could be the end of his career. So I don't, you know, I can't place blame on him for for uh, being a little nervous with that offensive line in front of him.
1: I thought the offensive line played better when Okafor got hurt and he had to shuffle things around. I think Revenberg went out to left tackle. And I think they slid Jesse Gibbon in. I, mm-hmm. I can't remember how, how what they did, but I just thought the line it still wasn't great. Don't get me wrong. But I thought they played better once Okafor was out of there. So I don't know. I feel like that that's the one big change that I think has to happen. Uh, I, I don't know if there'll be a quarterback change when both guys are healthy. But from what we've seen so far this season, the offense is a little bit better with Evans in there. Although the last time he played, it's not like the offense lit the world on fire either. He, he scored ten points against the Argos uh, before he got yeah. hurt. So there just seems to be something fundamentally wrong. And I has has Condell's system been been figured out? Like, is we, we, we were talking to? I remember before the season, like we were so happy. Like, oh my god, he had all this extra time. What's he cooking up? And what's yeah. he what he's cooking up seems to be pretty damn bland, if you ask me.
0: Yeah, I'd have to agree. I mean, he just it's inconsistency with the running game too and maybe it's because you know the offensive line can't run block but they seem to do it pretty well in those games where David Watford was the quarterback so um, I mean Sean Thomas tonight only had seven carries for 26 yards they gave two to Addison Um, Mazzoli had three rushes but it just doesn't seem to be a balanced attack right now Um, they're they're chucking it they're chucking it they're chucking it um, and it's just not working out
1: And again, they go away from those... Like, Addison in this... uh, And we'll talk about him more in depth in a second. Um, Using him in in a variety of roles. Like, you said he had two carries. I mean, one of them he fumbled on, so that's not great. But using him in in that sort of hybrid role that we saw him in 2019 could help. But where were the the jet sweeps? Where were... Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like, those things worked so well against... And Montreal's got a good defense, but I don't think they have a great defense... I just feel like if if you if you stretch them at this at the at the edge, maybe that opens things up in the middle. I I, I don't know yeah. like we're not professionals, we don't know the answer. We're just fans watching this and it's just th- this reminds me of those really bad offenses from like the remember Joe when Joe Pow Pau was the offensive coordinator for this team and it felt like every play was a three yard hit screen and it was just like mm-hmm. they, they couldn't they, it was when Jason Moss was a quarterback and they just they couldn't do anything and they were terrible and that's what it's it feels like watching watching these guys this year like if if not for some defensive touchdowns we'd be looking at this team as one of the lowest scoring teams in the league
0: like where are the screen passes to Sean Thomas erlington you know what I mean yep. like do they this, ever this, even this, do
1: screen passes like those work yeah. every other team does them every other team in every other league does them and you're and when they work it's like it's a thing of beauty they never oh. do them
0: no yeah. yeah that's what I'm saying it's like and those plays are are great for, you know, alleviating the pressure on the quarterback cuz, you know, they just basically let them run through and then you toss it to the side and, you know, get your yardage. So, I would love to see more screen passes to the to the running backs. I'm not I was never been a huge fan of of the screens to the wide receivers, you know, it's mm. yeah, no sometimes same it works, but like most of the time it doesn't. Yeah, I don't um, like them either. My da-
1: my dad when I watch games with him, like I go to his place and watch NFL games. And we watch a lot of Bill stuff. Anytime the Bills throw a pass like that, it's like it never works. And I, yeah. I I clean that up a little bit for him. But yeah, I I I don't like him either. I'm not a big fan.
0: Yeah, so we're both not big fans of the wide receiver screens, but it, the the running back screen seems to work quite a bit in the CFL. Let, let's try some of that.
1: Well, and what it does too is that it forces the defensive line to think. Yeah. And it's like, okay, we you know what I mean? Like you, you when you see it, you're like, they're getting in too quick, and then you think, oh, it's a screen pass. And it's like that then forces the defensive line to okay, are we, do we do we come down as fast as we can, or you know what I mean, like, and and that split second gives you an advantage. So I don't know, man. Is this I, I, I don't know. It's just it's just bad. This this offense is just bad, and I I don't know if there's there's any fixes. Quite honestly, it just feels yep. like we might have to put up with kind of. 2017 24 21 type games where the defense just stands on its head for 60 minutes
0: and I mean if they can do that then uh yeah you know, I'm all for it if they can win with their defense and special teams then uh you know it's happened before in this league I, mm-hmm. I Toronto Argonauts back in 2004 were pretty uh, were like that they were contenders for a while just you know having a mediocre offense with a great defense and really good special teams but I don't know, man. Like I think we could get through the East, but then once we get to the Great, if we get to the Great Cup game, like if we're playing Winnipeg, um, it's gonna be. It might be another shellacking because the Winnipeg and Saskatchewan, especially Winnipeg, look just unstoppable right now. So we might be able to get to the championship game, but uh, once we get there, it might be a rough ride.
1: Here, here's here's my sliver of hope for that. Two years ago, who looked unstoppable going into a Grey Cup game and they got absolutely hammered by, an, by a tremendous defense? So, I mean, until the game's played, I'm always yeah, going to hold out know. hope. But, uh, yeah, I, 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 as we sit here now, I absolutely agree with you. Right now, I I don't see anyone stopping Winnipeg, but at this point of the season, two years ago, I would have said I don't see anyone stopping Hamilton, and then Winnipeg That's did true. exactly that, so who knows. Um, there's one more thing, bad thing, and then we'll get to the, to the very – very little good stuff that we have to say from this game. In-game interviews. This this is a troll job on us, right? Like, like someone at TSN listens to the show or reads our tweets, and they're doing this on purpose now just to tick us off, right? Like, it's one thing to to have a celebrity like Keith Urban in the booth, even though that was god-awful, and I will go to my grave, and I'm sure you will too, believing that was one of the most embarrassing moments in CFL broadcast history. hmm and then there's the, those owner interviews that they did. They did with the new guy in Montreal, the new guy in BC. And it's like, they're not good, but at least I can go, okay, well, they're trying to you know, get the fans who aren't at the game familiar with these new guys who are supposedly excited about being part of our league. And then you do an in-game interview with a frigging, and I had to really bite my tongue on that one, member of the panel they're doing some talk about this being the 20th anniversary of the one Bombers, who went 14-4 and and lost in the Grey Cup, and Kahari Jones won MOP. And mid-game, they're doing an interview with Milt Stiegel, who does his Milt Stiegel thing where he's like, well, I made Kahari great, he didn't do anything for me. And I, He's saying it tongue-in-cheek, but it, I also think he kind of believes in a little bit of that, because he's definitely got one of the bigger egos of any CFL player I can think of. Why? What? Are, why? Just why? Like, th- these in-game interviews are bad enough, but now you're doing it with people who we literally hear talk about these things at pregame, at postgame, at halftime. Why not do a sit-down interview and do an eight-minute little piece that you can do on a pregame show or the halftime show? Why are we doing this in the middle of the friggin' game and now we're doing it with members of the panel? Like, this this is a bridge too far for me. Like, this, this was... This was embarrassing. This was this was bad.
0: Yeah, I think that the best thing you could do if you wanted to honor the the bombers from 2001, you know, it's like make a little 10-minute documentary or something. Mm-hmm. You know, you have the guys available to you. You get Milt, you get Kari. You know, there's probably lots of guys. That Go would grab Troy that. Westwood. Like,
1: there's a number yeah. of guys that would talk about that stuff.
0: Yeah, I mean, it doesn't make any sense. It's, it is like they're trolling us, and maybe it's my fault because I went so hard at uh, TSN about the... The Keith Urban interview. You know, they just, they're just sticking it to me now. And you're, and you're feeling the wrath as well. But
1: I'm taking the I'm No, it. I'm, you know what? I'm not taking the travel. I'm right beside you in this. I'll take the bullets for this. Dude, this is awful. This is, mm. this could you, again, I, I don't like comparing leagues to leagues, but could you imagine any other professional sports league in North America doing this? Like, they don't do this during CPL games that I watch on one soccer. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, they don't They do not do this during the NBA games. They certainly don't do this during the NFL games. What en- What entertainment value do you think... CSN must see a reason for doing this. They must think fans want it. Yet every time these things happen, my Twitter timeline is flooded with they're doing another bloody in-game studio interview. Why are they doing it? So no one likes this, yet they keep doing it. It's, it's
0: mind-boggling. Yeah, they just don't seem to care, do they? I mean, you're right. I don't see any of the league's Ever doing this? Like, may, like, maybe occasionally something like there's like a big celebrity there. I mean, I remember Snoop Dogg being interviewed in the in the booth at an Anaheim Ducks game years ago. But, I mean, it, it, the frequency of the in-game interviews during CFL broadcasts is just ridiculous.
1: Speaking of Snoop Dogg, sidebar, how about that Super Bowl halftime show?
0: Yes, very good. Holy very smokes! Good. It's Although like a... I don't really rap live just isn't it's not the same
1: I get it but
0: yeah but still
1: a Super Bowl in Los Angeles and you get Dr. Dre Snoop Dogg Eminem Kendrick Lamar and Mary J Blige like Mm -hmm. this is this is the Super Bowl halftime of my dreams
0: yeah it's up there it's definitely up there for me too and uh, you know it it beats anything that I can remember you know usually it's some pop star that uh, doesn't interest me at all but yeah this should be uh this should be a fun watch.
1: Yeah. The greatest Super Halftime Show I think of all time is Prince. Him shredding in the rain I think is iconic. There was some like All-Star one they did. I can't remember if it was 2000, 2001. It was like Aerosmith, Nelly, Britney Spears, Sync. Like maybe not you like but it was like it felt like a big event. This to me is already the greatest halftime show and we're we're months away from it. And it just, it just shows me the... Because the NFL rarely has its finger on the actual pulse. Now granted... All these guys are, aside from Kendrick Lamar, are, are really old. Like, it's definitely speaking to people of our generation who grew yep. up with th- this type of hip-hop music. But you, you juxtapose this with the CFL. And I'm not talking about halftime shows. CFL, they actually do – the halftime shows are not actually that bad. Um, I might not like the bands or, or, or even know who they are, but I wouldn't say the mm. CFL half- Like, Keith Urban, as much as I'm not a fan and hated what he did in the booth, that's a pretty big gig for a CFL half-time, for a breakup half-time. He's he's a massive star. Worldwide sensation, right? Yep. But every single time you watch, what do you hear music-wise when you watch a CFL game? It's always freaking country music.
0: Always. Always country.
1: Nothing against country. If you like country, cool. We all like what we like. I'm not telling you. Mm. But my God, can you throw a little rock in there? Can you throw some hip-hop in there? There's Canadian rock bands. There's one, there's a a couple here from Hamilton that are pretty darn good. There's Canadian hip-hop artists like, you want to reach that younger demographic. You're not doing it playing nothing but country music that people from artists that no one even really knows, quite frankly. Like just yeah. it just shows me and again, I'm not saying the CFL would ever get Dr. Dre and Snoop Dogg to do a gray cup, but it just shows you kind of the difference in like where the head's at when it comes to like the entertainment stuff. Like the NFL, for all its warts, nailed this. And the CFL continues to just kind of feel old and stale, no?
0: Yeah, it does. There's not much change from year to year. And they keep, um, you know, with the country music, it's like they're they're appealing to, you know, Western Canadians. And yeah, yeah, exactly. And, uh, you know, that's not where they need help necessarily. You know, that not that it's, it's super strong. And even in, in Edmonton here, it's not um, what it used to be. Uh, Saskatchewan is obviously a strong market. Winnipeg right now is a very strong market, but yeah, I think they just need to mix it up a little bit. Throw a little rock, throw a little rap in there, you know? It's 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 country year after year after year, and and uh, I just, I mean, personally, I don't like country, but and there's nothing wrong with liking country, but it just kind of turns me off.
1: And well, and the thing is, too, do do young people really listen to a lot of country? Like, it's not to me just about like geographically, because yeah, like I said, it's westerners that more, I think more gravitate towards country, but it's also older people. Like, are you, like, there's mm-hmm. not, like, I work with a ton of young people, and the only person at my work that likes country music is the 55-year-old, like, boss. Like, yeah. she's the only one that listens to country. We we tolerate it because it's like, she's in charge, so not, like, we can do much when it comes to the radio. But no one, no one younger than 50 really, and I, again, I'm generalizing, of course, but, that's not the music of of young people, and like you know, far be it for you and I. And I, don't, I, I
0: don't know, I don't, I don't even know what is the young well, music. Well, that
1: yeah, that's <laughs> like fair. That's weird. fair. We're not exactly young. I'm about to be forty. You're in your mid thirties, oh. so it's not like yeah. we're no spring chickens. But I feel like we have our finger on the pulse better than the CFL does because if it was me, I'd be throwing yeah. in some something more upbeat, like these songs. Like they keep playing, and, it, and it's the same stuff. So it's repetitive. If it at least was different, okay. But they all sound the same, and they seem to cycle through the, the same like five or six songs, and it's like. Get us like they do these Spotify things, or these Amazon mm. whatever, like whatever they're doing, like the 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 music stuff and the commercial breaks. It's always yeah, country relationship music. Goals,
0: yeah. relationship oh goals. God. It's like the worst. It's so terrible. It's so bad. What
1: what, what was the song, song. what was the song from the third and one from the gun song? Who who was
0: that? By? Know, that, that was the Reclaws, I think.
1: Yeah, that was awful.
0: That yeah, was an that, awful I song. I like the one this year better than. The Raclaw's one, you know, uh, what you're made of, or whatever. Like that's okay, but it's still yeah, like that's okay. Country, it's okay. But yeah, I don't it, mind it.
1: It's just it's too much, goddamn country. Okay, uh, yeah. we went way off topic there. <laughs> uh, what were we, oh, we're gonna talk about some of the good things from the game. Um, right. I want to talk about Karyell Brooks. Uh, I mean, we talked about how good the defense is, but I want to mention him specifically uh, because. I think he is maybe the most underrated player in the CFL. He's a guy that no one ever talks about. And it's, all, it's a lot of times it's because he plays in this defense that has a lot of big personalities. They had delvin He was playing beside Delvin Bro for a number of years. And he's playing on the same defense as Simone Lawrence. And you got guys like Dylan Wynn and Ja'Garrett Davis and Ted Laurent. And they kind of occupy a lot of the oxygen. Simone especially. Like, that guy's... I mean, Simone's great. He was great in this one, too. Shout out to Simone for being awesome on, in this game as well. But... There's so many other, like, not necessarily bigger names, but I guess that's a, another way of putting it, like, kind of more well-known people. And I think Kerry Brooks just flies under the radar. But for my money, he's one of the best boundary halfbacks in the league. He's tied for the league lead in interceptions. He got one in this game. It was a gimme, frankly. You know, basically it was like fielding a punt. But I think he's, he's been in the league now, I think, four years. He was an all-star in 2018. Should have been an all-star in 2019. Is having an all-star caliber season this year, and no one ever talks about him. So I just wanted to give him a little love because I think he's one of those guys that really, like I said, flies under the radar because of all the other talent that is on this defense. But he, he deserves a shout out because I, I thought he was good in this one. I think he's been tremendous all year, and I just wanted to bring him up because we probably will once again forget to talk about him when he has a, you know, when he has a typical Kerry O'Bourke game where he shuts everybody down.
0: Yeah, he's tremendous. He's a tremendous uh, DB, and you know, I thought. I thought the run defense was great as well in this game. You know, I said last week on the show that we had to hold William Stanback, you know, keep him in check. And they did a pretty darn good job. You know, he had 12 carries for 59 yards, um, basically took him out of the game. Uh, Vernon Adams had to to win it with his arm. And unfortunately, that's, you know, he was successful with that. But uh, the run defense was once again really, really stellar this game.
1: Yeah, I agree. I think Stanback now is 100 total yards rushing in the two games against the Cats, which is 50 yards a game. He averages over 100 yards rushing a game. So Hamilton yeah. has done a tremendous... And considering the last time... Remember the first game of the year when they are talking about well, last time these two teams played in Montreal? William Stanback mm-hmm. had 200 yards rushing. Since then, he's been a, a not a non-factor, but they've really shut him down. And I think that speaks to uh, to how, well, again, this defense has been... If we can just get this offense going, I, I think this team could be heading in the right direction. We are going to hand out a player of the week, and it's the one guy we that I, I, I think hands down the best player on the field for the Cats in this one. Uh, Raylan Addison, his return to the field, uh, looks like he didn't miss a step, did
0: it? No, not at all. He was the most involved receiver in the game. I mean, it's, he had uh, seven receptions for 73 yards, along uh, along of 21 he ran the ball a couple times as well, so he he looks like he didn't miss a beat uh, after all that time off.
1: Yeah, Yakman, I'm starting to call him because he's just always with the yards after catch. Every time yeah. he, he he gets the ball in his hands, it's not first contact that brings him down. He's always getting more. There was one catch, it might I don't know if it was as long, but it was it's like he dragged like three or four defenders for like three or four yards. It was, it's just so nice having him back. And I think if this if he can be this good, and maybe this will unlock the rest of the offense. Because when he was going, because in the first half, when he was getting in, involved, the offense was doing a decent job. They, they scored 17 yeah. points. They were they, they were running away with this thing, essentially. And then all of a sudden, the offense gets bogged down. Addison kind of becomes a non-factor. I think he might be the key to unlock. If we can keep him involved and, and, and get him you know, anywhere between 10 and 12 targets and, and touches in the run game... I think the offense, for, for all its faults, might be able to piece something decent together because I, I just think he added something that we haven't seen this year. And I think the most remarkable thing—I'll I'll say it again—he had no rust. It looked like he had missed no time at all. It was—it uh, yeah. was a very, very good first game for him.
0: Yeah, I was hoping that you know him being back in the lineup would kind of open up things for Brandon Banks, but once again. Um, you know, he had 15 yards. Yeah. He's just, I don't know what's going on with, with Brandon Banks, if he's hurt or they're just, he the, the the offense just isn't looking his way right now. And it's it's quite disappointing because we know what he can do on the field.
1: Yeah, it's got to be defenses are keying in on him and basically yeah. saying, especially with the younger receivers, your Steven Dunbar, your Tim Whites, saying, beat us with your rooks. And, I mean, Dunbar had a, had a big catch that set up the, the touchdown, the Erlington fumble touchdown. Tim White, if he doesn't grab a bloody shoulder pad, makes a tremendous catch for a touchdown, but got called back on a, on a rightful offensive pass interference. I, I, I think maybe teams are just saying, we're not going to let Banks beat us, and that might be it. Or, and this is, you know, I, I hate to say it, maybe the year off is, has cost him like maybe he's lost a step and he's not the player he was the last time we saw him because the production is not there. And no it's to see, and I was like, I was putting it on the, 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 terribleness of the offense. And cause there's a, there's a couple plays. Remember Dane Evans against Montreal back, back in Montreal, missed him on a wide open pass that he would have walked in the end zone in. So like there has been some plays there that the quarterbacks haven't made, but I thought with Addison coming back, it would open things up for him, like you said, but then seeing how well Addison played, it makes me wonder if maybe the roles are reversed and the, you know, speedy B2 Braylon Addison is the, is the number one and and Brandon Banks Mm -hmm. should be the number two.
0: Yeah. And there's no shame in that. I mean, Braylon Addison's a hell of a player and he, if he's the number one, then he's the number one now, but a number two puts up better numbers than this. Um,
1: yeah, yeah, I
0: don't, I, I don't know what it is, but, uh, you know he's coming back. He came back off an injury. Maybe he just needs a game or two to get back into it. And Maybe they're 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 double teaming him like a lot. But you still think he'd get open more than he has been. Um, well, I also we'll I also that think happens. that
1: they would design plays to get him involved. Like yeah, that's the thing too. Like I feel like again, maybe, but this goes back to the offense just not being it's not clicking on offense. There's they're not there's doing uh-huh. something that's not working. So I, I don't know. Maybe. maybe you know, something will click in a game down the road, hopefully on Thanksgiving, and then we'll see this big explosion, and we'll be like, oh, Brandon Banks, seven catches, 120 yards, and two okay. touchdowns. Like, you know what I mean? Like, we'll we'll come back on here and be like, oh, okay, now they figured it out. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah, that could be. Uh, another thing I want to talk about at this game is Frankie Williams, did he, he got hurt, but yeah. did he come back into the, into I the game?
1: I don't think so. I think yeah. they shuffled the secondary around, because I think Desmond Lawrence...
0: Oh, right. Yeah, was that's in there they the secondary
1: in and they put uh Unger. You know what? I'm glad you bring it up cuz I thought Ungerer was actually he wasn't Frankie Williams, but I thought he had a couple of nice punt and kick returns. Yeah. So yeah. I think that there there's some there's some room there if, if Williams does miss time. I think you, you got a pretty decent return man and Unger there.
0: Yeah, I was impressed with Unger as well. He's got he got really good speed and he didn't, you know, he wasn't hesitant uh returning the ball. He just kind no. of went full full speed and tried to hit the holes and I thought he did a really good job, actually, yeah.
1: Yeah, filling in on... on you know, he obviously doesn't get... He, they don't do special teams a lot in practice anyway, but also obviously wouldn't get a lot right. of reps, returning kicks or anything either. So for for doing... Kind of filling in in-game, I thought it was pretty good. Um, all right, if there's nothing else you want to talk about in the game, I guess we can move on to the news. And right. there was some big news out of Tigertown this week. The TyCats released a pair of receivers. One was uh, Marcus Tucker, but the big one was obviously the release of DeVere Posey, the... Breakup MVP in 2017, big free agent acquisition. Uh, this was he was gonna be the, the third headed, third head of the three headed monster that was uh, Addison, Banks, and him. Never saw the field for the Ty Cats. Signed in 2020, obviously there was no season, re-signed uh, an extension before hitting free agency in 2021, suffered an injury in training camp. The Ty Cats like some of the younger guys they got. They went with them. Posey's now on the street. This whole kind of Devere Posey saga kind of encapsulates maybe, again, I, I don't think the signing was bad. I think when it was announced, it was like, okay, this is, this is going to be pretty good. That'll be pretty fun. But it it was a luxury signing, not a necessity. And I mean, I guess it was a little bit more of a necessity when Addison had signed, because initially they, initially they signed him because Addison was gone, but then Addison comes back and they still re-signed him. It, it felt like kind of overkill maybe a little bit. But we never see him hit the field, and you kind of wonder, like, what if they would have gone somewhere else? What if they would have tried? What if they would have taken the money they would have given him and, and added that to Riker Matthews' check? Mm-hmm. Maybe he'd still be here. So I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of—it's hard to make sense of when he—he you know, he never plays for the team. Like, kind of his, like, why he they even brought him in? You know what I mean?
0: Yeah, I would agree, and we've talked about this before that you know bringing in a guy like Devere Posey is great when. You know, have an an offensive line that can block for your quarterback and you can get him the ball. But, uh, you know, losing a guy like Riker Matthews, and then, uh, you know, obviously they were just overconfident in their draft picks. You know, the young guys on the offensive line, they thought they could plug them in and uh, everything would be fine and we'd have all all these weapons, but that's not how it worked out. So it's really disappointing to have a guy like Devere Posey on the the roster for, you know, two years, um, a year where we didn't play, and then this year. And, uh, you know, we don't see him play at all. He gets released. We don't get anything for him. Not that I would expect to get anything for him. It just doesn't work that way in the CFL, but, but yeah, it's, uh, it makes you scratch your head at that signing a little bit.
1: Yeah. It just feels like, and look, I understand circumstances change and the young players stepped up Dunbar in particular. Like there was, there was going to be some difficult decisions to make in who to sit and who to, who to keep. And, at the end of the day, it's a salary cap league, right? And maybe the money saved. I know a lot of people are like, "Oh, they can the money they saved on Posey, they can go and sign an offensive lineman." But who?
0: Who? Yeah, who? <laughs>
1: like, and and the thing is, too, are they going to trade for someone? Because now you're giving up assets. Because you're not because everyone I, I, everyone say, "I'll oh, go get Derek Dennis, go get Derek Dennis." Well, Edmonton's made it pretty damn loud and clear that they're not trading him for nothing. So mm-hmm. you got to give them something. And so now you're. You're adding to the losses. You know what I mean? Like, you've already paid Posey for seven games, and now you're – it just feels to me like it was – again, I'm not saying – it's nothing against Posey, and I don't think the signing was a bad signing. It just feels like it was the wrong – for what this team needed, it was the wrong signing. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah, I I totally agree. Um, It was a sexy signing. You know, in the offseason, you know, you yeah, had Devere Posey. Holy crap. Banks, Posey, Addison. But I think it would have been it would have been fine with uh, Banks, Addison, and uh, Acklin as your top three guys. So, you know, in retrospect, it wasn't a good signing, but, uh, you know, just the way it goes sometimes.
1: Yeah, well, and that's the thing, too. That Does this team have a hard time recruiting receivers? Because they seem to recruit some pretty damn good ones. I, Addison was brought in to lead by the Argos, but they poached him. When the Argos cut him, and, and look what he's turned into. And Banks, they brought into the league. Acklin, they brought into the league. These, mm-hmm. Dunbar looks not necessarily like a star, but a solid contributor. And you go back all those years ago. You got Luke Tasker, and you got Bakari Grant, and Chris Williams. And, like the the list of guys that the Ticats throughout the last decade plus at receiver, especially, have they've been able to find and utilize. Signing a free agent receiver feels like it should be kind of low on the priority list, no?
0: Yeah, I, w- I would agree. You know, I, w- I won't say they're a dime a dozen, but uh, uh, they've been able to find talent over the years—unknown talent that comes in and and lights up the league. So, yeah, you don't really need to go out and sign, um, you know, proven receivers uh, to fill up your roster. You just need to find the guys that are that are out there, not in the league right now, because there's a ton of them. There's a ton of them out there in the States and even in Canada.
1: Well, there's one that's no longer free, and that is Duke Williams. Uh, He signed with the Saskatchewan Roughriders earlier today. There was some chatter amongst Ticat fans, because there always is when a big name comes available, uh, that the Ticat should sign him. But, I mean, I never thought Hamilton would have been in on him. It doesn't really make any sense for Hamilton. No. They just released a Posey to sign Duke Williams, who they're going to pay more money to. Can he block? Yeah, I mean, he's a pretty big dude, but I don't think he played play off his yeah. blind. Yeah,
0: yeah.
1: Um, he was with the Buffalo Bills in the NFL for a couple of years, uh, played in some playoff games with them, uh, played in some regular season games. I think he kind of game-winning touchdown from Josh Allen in a game uh, a few years ago. Uh, but now he's back in the CFL, was the leading receiver in the CFL when he left uh, a couple of seasons ago. Pretty good signing by the Riders, who have no problems in their receiver. they got some pretty decent receivers there. What do you make of Duke coming back to the CFL?
0: I was kind of surprised he was with the rough riders. I, I don't know why. Um maybe I maybe I thought Ottawa but you know with the guy who runs Ottawa you, you know you probably Well, he to,
1: probably offered uh, him 40 cents and a bag of yeah. peanuts and he said no.
0: Yeah, exactly. That's what I was getting to. I'll give you a coupon. will uh,
1: give you a coupon to Beaver Tails and a and a free a free tour of the of the parliament and it's like yeah, parliament yeah. tours are free already Marcel.
0: <laughs> exactly. <so. laughs> did You just snort? I, snort <laughs>
1: I got you on that one.
0: <laughs> so uh, yeah yeah I, I mean that's obviously a big signing for the rough Riders. Uh, a guy like duke williams i was i was able to watch here in edmonton for a couple of years and he's a tremendous receiver big body uh i'm sure he'll help them out in the red zone if cody fujardo can you know throw a pass that doesn't hit the upright then you know it's a pretty big body to throw to so uh that's uh, pretty exciting for them i think
1: yeah speaking of cody fujardo you see him take off off the field after losing to the stamps like he just bolted off the field into the tunnel, and it's like, oh, there's there's all nice guy Cody Fajardo. I'm not staying around to shake hands. Not oh, interesting. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Maybe maybe I hold a grudge <laughs> because he blocked me on Twitter yeah, because because three did. down, three down tagged him in a in a piece I wrote about him, and then he blocked me on Twitter. Like it's my fault that I didn't think it was supposed to be mop.
0: <laughs> yeah, he's a bit sensitive, eh? Like, but yeah, uh, earlier in
1: the year he's talking what? about how negative. It's like, buddy, are you new to Twitter? Yeah. I get yeah. hate, and I'm a nobody. You get hate, yeah. and you're a nobody
0: exactly so like people i mean some people have to have thicker skins i guess i mean obviously there's over the top stuff for sure that's just you know unnecessary but like but what ricky foley told me a loser I mean, lived him on if baseball. We just criticized you know his play on the field we didn't you know attack him personally or anything. no
1: no but now i don't like him so yeah when i see him running off the field, I, I think i tweeted out like oh he ran off the field faster than he runs and hides from criticism
0: yeah <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah he, he uh Who's not uh, very happy with that loss? I guess.
1: Yeah. Apparently, I always hate the guys that everyone loves. I didn't like Henry Burris. I don't like Cody Fajardo. Maybe, maybe I'm the jerk.
0: No. No <laughs> way. No way. Um, I like that real life, though. I like you hate the guys that everyone likes. You know, on the football field. I don't like the people that everyone likes, like at work. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, you really like so, Johnny? Oh, John's a jerk, Mike. What's wrong with you? Yeah. He's the nicest guy That's ever. Nice. He, he gave me a kidney. <laughs>
0: Yeah, so, yeah, we're we're uh, we're like in that way. Jeff. Yeah,
1: oddly enough, I'm the guy everyone likes at work, and I'm oh, like yeah. I'm mean. I, I I make fun of people. Like I'm I'm obnoxious. I'm vulgar. Like I don't know why people like me. I'll be quite honest with you. It's like history. It's 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 quite bizarre. It's quite bizarre. Uh, okay, we're we're getting off the rails again. As bad as this game was for the Ty Cats, we do get to get, hit the field again. And this one, we get a little bit of an extra break. They played on Saturday. They don't play again until Thanksgiving Monday in an afternoon clash with the Toronto Argonauts. This is a big game. The Argos play, what is it, Wednesday, I think, against Ottawa. So the Argos will come be coming in on a little bit shorter rest, and the Ticats Ty- are getting over a week. The Argos will have, obviously, less than a week. Um, this is a winnable game. This is a winnable game. Uh, I think the Argos probably enter this game at 5-3. and three. I don't know if they'll beat Ottawa. Although, Ottawa looks like they may have found a pretty decent quarterback in that. What was it? Caleb? What the hell was his uh, name? Uh, Caleb Evans. Holly? Caleb Evans.
0: Evans, okay. Yeah.
1: He, I thought he looked pretty decent. I mean, it was against Edmonton, mm-hmm. so it's hard to really, you know, glean too much from that. But I think this could be a really interesting game for the Argos against Ottawa. I'm I'm suspecting the Argos win that game to, uh, to take over first place in the East sole possession. So this is a pretty big game coming up on Thanksgiving. So... uh what are you kind of hoping to see in this one? What are you thinking you're going to see? And can the offense get it together and do enough to to salvage a win?
0: I think they can be mediocre, and I think if they're mediocre, if they put up you know some points, I think you know the defense is good enough to pull out a win against the Argonauts. But you know you just don't know what the Argonauts are going to be from game to game. The most uh, up
1: and down team in the league this year, right?
0: Yeah, I, I would have to say so, and I think it's going to be McLeod, Bethel, Thompson. I think I saw that, but I'm not sure.
1: On we- um, it will be him on Wednesday. Yeah, I uh,
0: it too. will be him on Wednesday. Yeah, but on Monday, you know, it could be Arbuckle, it could be Thompson. Thompson could be spectacular, or it could be terrible. McMagic, um, baby. So yeah, me, exactly. So it's uh it's a bit of a head scratcher. Um, coming into this game, I don't know what to expect from the Tiger Cats. I don't know what to expect for the Argonauts, but I think for the Tiger Cats, you know, try to get that run game going a little bit um, because obviously with Jeremiah Mazzoli back there, um, the heat's coming. The offensive line can't hold up the defensive lines, and uh, it'd be nice to set it off with, uh, you know, a little bit of run game, a little bit of, a little bit of screen game, um, you know, make them guess a little bit of jet sweeps you know integrate that philosophy you had when david watford was in there and then mix in the passing as well that's what i would like to see
1: i would love to see that i would also love to have seen this game be in toronto if i'm being honest i think that the new tradition should be labor day in hamilton thanksgiving day in toronto what do you say
0: that that makes sense that makes sense make it every year and uh yeah try to get some some Argonaut fans out because they they if you do it every year, it's a tradition and they'll they'll know that there's Thanksgiving Monday football. so I think it's a great idea.
1: well I think I think the CFL should also be attacking this day as like this should be the second labor Day like this should be the second biggest weekend of the mm-hmm. CFL I guess third Great Cup weekend, Labor Day weekend, and then right Smack dab in the middle we get Thanksgiving. and I think that that should be another sort of tent pole event for the CFL. Some years they most years they have games, some years they don't, and I never understood the years they don't because it's a strictly Canadian holiday. I don't know about you, but I if I ever do a Thanksgiving meal, I tend to do it on the Sunday because I gotta go to work on the Tuesday. So people are staying yeah. home probably with they can't go everything's closed, so they can't go anywhere. Oh shoot, there's a football game on at one o'clock. Oh there's a fo- I think I think this year I think this game's at four. But anyway, you do a game at one, you do a game at four you make this the the second big regular season tentpole weekend, and I I think you got a stew going.
0: Yeah, I think so too. I just it's uh, it's a no brainer to me. I mean, uh, you look at the NFL and what they do on Thanksgiving, and and everyone tunes in for that. So uh, I don't understand why they don't do it year after year after year. The same matchups try to build maybe like try to build a new rivalry, like uh, like try to build up that Ottawa Montreal, mm-hmm. or, or you know. BC and whoever you know, so it'd be nice to get uh, Hamilton and Toronto in Toronto on on uh, Thanksgiving Monday every single season.
1: Well, I think it would also be a good game because if you get, I think the Argos, the only reason I say the Argos and the TyCats is because you do it in Toronto, you do it at one o'clock. You can get a lot of Hamiltonians traveling to Toronto for because even on a work day, if this game was at one o'clock in Toronto, even with having to go to work the next day, you're home even with terrible traffic. If you live in Hamilton, at worst by like five thirty-six, and
0: yeah. it's
1: like that's more than enough time to come home, decompress, and then get ready for work the next morning. So it just feels to me like this is this should be, like I said, the second biggest weekend of the regular season for the mm-hmm. Canadian Football League. I think you should do you do the Labor Day stuff, you do Thanksgiving stuff, and maybe, maybe you do start maybe maybe you do make it Ottawa and Montreal or. If if it ever comes to pass, you do BC and the Atlantic Schooners, like you know what I mean. Like build up these rivalries and and use this day where Canadians are sitting home picking their butts. Let's 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 give them some entertaining football. Now this year <laughs> football might not be so entertaining. It hasn't been. Hmm. It hasn't, I know everyone was going Gaga over the the two endings to the games on Saturday, and they were tremendous endings. But it wasn't exactly still not you know full of great game, especially the Ticats game yeah. was not very good, but the endings, the ending's what everyone remembers, it's just like a movie, if the ending is great, people will leave a movie going, man, what a mm-hmm. great movie, even if the first hour and yeah. a half sucked, if the last 15 minutes blows your mind, you're going to remember that as a good movie, and that's, that's sort of what the Ticats and Owls game was. It, was, it was a slog to get through for the most part, like I got texts from friends being like, are you watching this shit show, are you, like, mm-hmm. get gifts of, of people falling asleep on the toilet, I think at one point I said, uh, this is about as interesting as listening to fleas take a dump, like, it was, it was a bad game. Um, but you get that, that ending where you got the Owls going down, converting a third and 20 to score a touchdown. You get a 55-yard field goal. It goes to overtime. That's classic CFL. And that's, even if the rest of the game stunk, the last, you know, four minutes were out of this world, people are going to start talking about how this is the great CFL of old, even if it wasn't necessarily true for 60 minutes.
0: Yeah, and they they always they've been using that stat for years and years. The last three minutes oh, games yeah. have been decided, but that doesn't mean it's a good game. Like no. it, it, it just doesn't. And I know that that's how they're trying to swing it, but it, that's just not the case. So, um, I thought the Calgary Saskatchewan game was better than the yes. TyCats Alouettes game. Um, and I thought last weekend's games were pretty good, besides the the Ticat game. Um, but yeah, overall, it it hasn't been it hasn't been that elite entertaining CFL football that we're used to.
1: No, it's getting better. Um, mm. The problem yep. is Winnipeg's kicking the crap out of it. Like, that Winnipeg-BC game was the one outside of the Ticats that was most invested in this weekend. And Winnipeg yeah. just dog-walked them where it was like, well, this was over. It was over by halftime. And it's like, that Winnipeg's just so good that they're making their games. It, it's fun to watch them because they're operating such a high level. But mm-hmm. it's making the games less exciting because they're beating teams like 31 14 you're just like okay well this is kind of over from the opening kickoff like Zach Caleros is playing out of this world um, and that offense mm-hmm. is just is, is humming hasn't missed a beat with, with Andrew Harris not all, probably playing all that well and La Police being gone like Winnipeg is just they're the, they're the best team in the league and it's not even close mm-hmm. but it, it does make their games not as interesting even though they're playing so well because they're just kicking the crap out of everybody
0: yeah, I was really expecting more. I thought BC would come in and you know give them a good fight with mm-hmm. that. How that offense has been clicking. And Now I guess you know Lucky Whitehead going out That's a doesn't help. That yeah, that doesn't help. But they still have weapons on offense. But the BC lines offensive line looked like two thousand nineteen all over again in that game. And he, I mean, he, with those defensive ends on Winnipeg, I mean every offensive line just looks like crap against against those guys. So yeah, it's tough.
1: Maybe I haven't watched enough BC games because a lot of times they're on at ten o'clock and I got to either go to work mm-hmm. th- the next day or I was at work that day and I just don't stay up and watch them. I haven't heard a lot from Brian Burnham this year and I nope. it's it's weird because in Hamilton Brandon I, like going into the season I think you would have said consensus the best two receivers in the game are Banks and, and Burnham. I, I don't think you would have got whether you put one at one and one at two. I don't care what order you have them in. I think consensus speaking they were the two best receivers going into the season. I don't think you would have gotten any argument for anyone if you would have said that. They both kind of been less than this year, and and in, in yeah. BC, Lucky Whitehead has kind of become what Brandon Banks was to the, to the 19, 2019 Ticats, and that's why I picked him as my first half MLP last week. Um, and in Hamilton, you kind of got Addison. Yeah, I know it's only one game, but like Ackland was doing some stuff, and then Dun- like different players have stepped up while Banks has kind of taken a step down. It's kind of it's kind of weird how that how that's happened in in both places where the two guys that you would have said are kind of neck and neck for the best and head and shoulders above number three have kind of both been less than stellar in 2021. Yeah,
0: it is kind of strange. And you, you, you know that, like, maybe the year off hurt them, but you know that the talent's still there. You know that they're still capable. It's just just not working out for them this year.
1: Yeah, hopefully they can both get it because they're two of my favorite players. I've obviously, Banks yep. is a tie cat, but I've always loved watching Brian Burnham play too. Like, he's been... Tremendous. Yeah, he's been he's been absolutely tremendous. Uh, okay, moving on. We're going to end the show on some good stuff. We're going to – first off, we're going to give away our T-shirt this week. Uh, thanks to our good friends at the Tarps Apparel Co. Uh, last week's question, Mike, was name either of the two players we named as our midseason MOP. I mentioned mine just a few seconds ago was Lucky Whitehead. You had Michael Riley. So we both took some BC Lions, and after they got – Dog walk by, by the uh, Bombers. It looks like we should have had Zach Caleros in, yeah. as one of them, too. But uh, I still think they're solid picks. I think Caleros would also be a solid pick. But those were our two picks. Um, so we got some people answering the question. So, Mike, uh, if you'll give me the drum roll, I will hit the old button again, and we'll see who wins this week. And our winner is... Congratulations to Charles... Ballerano, uh you have won this week. I believe he's entered every single week, so it's nice to see nice. Uh, him win him win this week. So thanks, Charles, for listening to the show. We will get in contact with you very soon and uh, let you know uh, how we can get the shirt to you. So uh, congratulations, Charles.
0: You're good stuff, Charlie.
1: All right. Uh, so last thing we want to touch on here, this was uh, sent to us. I posted on our Twitter. I think I'm going to post it to our Instagram. Uh, I Actually, a a former t-shirt winner, uh, I believe his name is Jason Husack. Uh he sent us a, a gorgeous painting of what looked like a team photo from the the Thai Cats that he said he found at a Goodwill store. Uh, looked like it was sometime in the early 90s. He said it was signed by the what he thinks is the artist dated something like October 1992. And if you look at it, you can see some guys in there. I think you see Rocky T. Pietro. I think you see... I think it's Don Sutherland who's like kind of front and center. Either him or John Gregory, but I'm pretty sure it's Don Sutherland. Um, the, the picture wasn't like I, I don't I didn't look at the actual painting. I just got a picture of it on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Um, but he he sent it to us and asked if we could uh, could kind of get it out there and see if anyone had any information on why this this painting was commissioned. Like, does anyone know about it? So we put it out there on Twitter. We got we got some people being like, "Oh, it's kind of cool," but not really a whole lot of like helpful information not that it's bad that people interact with us and just say like oh that's pretty neat but we are still looking for some info on this so anyone who's kind of listening to this if you if you drop us a line on instagram or on twitter uh, hit our dms you can you can hit mike up at mike underscore tie you can hit myself up at josh smith underscore 82 like we'll take him to like we're just trying to get some information on this because it was a really cool painting what do you think when you saw it
0: well, were you jealous was, at first at first i thought it was an actual picture but oh, then okay. I, I close closer inspected and realized it was a painting. But yeah, it looks uh pretty good and it's just funny that it's just where was it, like at some random store or something you said? Google store. At a, okay, like, yeah, a, yeah like a like an so, amity
1: type value village right. type
0: thing. Right, 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 right. So yeah, it'd be interesting to know you know, that it was signed by someone, but it would be nice to know who this person is and why they did it and are they a huge cat fan? Are they still around? You know, all those all those answers we'd like to get.
1: Yeah, it's uh, I, I like I said, I was jealous when I saw it. I was like, "Oh man, that would be a sweet piece to have hanging in my uh, my little tie cat's room here that I record the podcast in." That'd be kind of awesome, but you know, obviously, I it was not to be. So I was a little jealous when I saw it. But uh, I mean, you got some pieces at your place that I'm out jealous of as well. So maybe I will have to rob you. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, I live, but I, I'm moving in, in December. So are you really? I can, I can be safe. Yeah, I'm getting. Yeah, I'll you know. No, not anywhere, very far away, but just out Upgra- of this upgrading spot. the pad. Yeah, yeah. Oh, good yeah. for you, good for you. You so, know, rent the house or something, maybe. I don't know. Oh, we'll see.
1: no more Simone Suite, then, eh?
0: No more Simone Suite. No, 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 no more Twenty One. No, no. We'll, give here, we'll,
1: we'll leave it at that. We won't give away your address on the show. <laughs> yeah. Don't want crazy people.
0: One Twenty One.
1: That's enough. i Edit, edit, edit. But yeah. Um, <laughs> Yeah, just a, a, a cool find. I always like these... I, I have a bunch of cats, like, memorabilia and knickknacks and stuff. I always like the, the like, one-of-a-kind things. Like, the thing, like, like I have some stuff that you, you could buy at the store, or, like, I got a Kevin Glenn bobblehead that they gave away at a game to, like, 5,000 people or whatever. So it's like, I have things that I think are kind of neat, but a lot of people have them. To have kind of a one-of-a-kind piece, and for it to be, like, a team photo from a specific year... That's then someone painted. I just think that's really cool.
0: Yeah, very very cool. I, I like I love to have that hanging on my wall. I just love to gobble up anything tie cuts, though. So
1: yeah, any any that I sometimes go to these goodwill stores like Value Village and just like scrounge around looking for because people throw mm-hmm. away some weird stuff. Like I've given away some stuff that uh, thinking back, it's like oh like I like my dad. I, he still curses me up to this day. When I was a kid, he got me and I'm not am not a, I'm not a big hockey fan. and I wasn't a Detroit Red Wings fan. But he got me a Bob Probert jersey. Like, he found it. Like, a guy at work mm. gave it to him or something. And, like, I outgrew it. Because, like, he gave it to me when I was, like, 12 or 13. And I was, like, I my mom was, like, oh, we're giving stuff away to send to the to Value Village or the Amity. I can't remember who it was. Salvation Army or something. And I I threw it in the bag. Because I was, like, well, it doesn't fit me anymore. And I'm not I'm really a hockey fan. And I'm definitely not a Detroit Red Wings fan. And I didn't really care about Bob Probert at all. And to this day, my dad still is, like, Man, I don't know why you you let that jersey go. And I was like, "Well, I, I was. Why did you let me? Like, you're you're the, you were the adult. You should have stopped me."
0: Yeah. Bobby Probert. I, I watched this documentary on him. He's a he was a wild gentleman. Wild. Yeah,
1: I just remember there was there was a time when he wasn't allowed into Canada because of some sort of uh, mm. arrest or something.
0: There's a really good uh, documentary on Netflix about a hockey team. I don't know if you've heard about it. It's like this mobster. Um, buys his son, his 17-year-old son, a professional hockey team. It, it's wild, oh, just man. wild. I wish I was... on, uh, it's like a series of uh, sports documentaries. Uh, crap, I can't remember. I think it's, I can't remember what it's called, but but it's on um, Netflix. It's on Netflix, and it, it, the the v- interesting thing about it was the 17-year-old son when he was a kid. Anyways, I'm getting way off topic, but it was like the peak of the Attitude Era, right? And okay. his his mob dad got the Rock. Triple H and someone else to come to his birthday party when he was like ten years old or whatever. Did you imagine? Oh my
1: god, I, w- I would be happy with a rock impersonator showing at my birthday yeah, party yeah. this
0: year. Exactly. Yeah.
1: Let alone the actual guy showing up. Holy smokes, mm. man! We should. Yeah. Man, we we missed out not being Italian, and I mean, yeah, we missed out. I don't want to say anything <laughs> bad about Italians, but we we missed out not being yeah. not being uh, born into a mob family because uh,
0: I know, right? Maybe I mean, all the stuff, murder,
1: might dissuade just weird things. But, but you know, I mean, we're 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 going way off topic, and we're not probably going to get killed if this goes out. This big yeah, Mike Cresson we in we went like,
0: into the yakuza. You know, <laughs> uh, it's just a shame. It's such a shame.
1: <laughs> all right, uh, you know what? Let's just end it here. That was possibly for this week. I'm Josh Smith,
0: and I'm Mike Graham. Eat them raw.
1: <laughs> Eat them raw.